When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? It's uh, Jonathan, and we're back with a brand new Geekscape. We're sitting here with a good friend of mine, Tom Pinchuk. He's been on the show before. He hasn't been on the show recently, though, which is kind of weird, because uh, I think it's been like a few years since you've been on Geekscape. Yeah, yeah. Which is an oversight on my part. It's been a, it's been a emptiness in my life. <laughs> Uh, not to say that Tom and I haven't seen each other. We are the uh, we are the founding members of the Hulkbusters, a Southern California racing team that uh, does uh, obstacle racing throughout yeah. Southern California. Uh, does a lot is, of pose downs. Yeah, which is pretty funny. Um, Tom and I actually do those uh, like Spartan races and things together, and, and that's the name of our team, the Hulkbusters. The Hulkbusters, because we're, we're busting the Hulk. So who says that comic book creators can't go out and? Uh, and, and be weekend warriors. <laughs> I, I think comic book creators are mainly weekend warriors. Yeah. <laughs> I do find it amusing, though, that that is an entire – you have that whole fitness culture and people who wouldn't touch a comic with you know, a 30-foot pole who go to a lot of those events. Mm-hmm. And it's the entire thing is based on a Frank Miller comic. <laughs> Oh, oh, the Spartan races? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the popularity of the whole thing. You know, I hadn't even thought of that. I, I had – thought of it that that the whole spartan race thing is is the popularity of the spartan race is based on the frank miller comic and the 300 and that but i hadn't associated the fact that most of the people there wouldn't touch a comic yeah and the popularity is rejuvenated because of the frank miller it's just hilarious because like that (laughs) whole thing like they're saying oh we're gonna aru like leonidas you know? Right, and they go, oh yeah, yeah. Before you start racing, they start giving you like yeah, the whole, whole Aru, pa- we yeah, are brothers, born in fire. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm that like, kind of thing. You know, they watched that movie. You know, they didn't crack open the history book. Right, like that's not. It, I, I, I thought it was also kind of funny because I was rolling that through my head of like, were they going to do some cross promotional event for Rise of an Empire? Right, but then it's like, then they'd have to acknowledge the sort of gray legality. <laughs> yeah, we, we uh, you know, especially now that Reebok purchased them. Um, but no, Tom and I have a lot of fun doing these uh, these these obstacle races. If you guys ever want to come out and race with us in Southern California, um, I, I think there's like a whole geek fit thing that we're we've kind of started. Um, at least on Geekscape, I, I see people like my editor Derek has started to run, and different people have started to do like running and stuff like that, and taking it seriously because because uh, you're the example to follow. Well, I, I'm hoping that they want to be you. No, 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 no. I don't think that's it at all. I, I think I, I hope that as we all go into our 30s and we, as we pass through our 20s into our 30s, the, uh, we all start realizing how slow our metabolism is becoming. Yeah. And um, and it takes a little bit more effort to fight it back into uh, anything that's respectable shape. Um, so th- I, I hope I, I hope that we don't just inspire you guys to read comics, play video games, and uh, watch movies because we do a lot of that. But I hope we, we inspire you guys to stay healthy. And uh, John, we should just turn this yeah. whole thing into a nutrition just podcast. Well, no, we you know, always joked about making it a jockscape. Or something Jockscape. like that, like Jockscape or something. But, um, of course, obviously our first loves are these uh, comics, movies, and video games. Sorry I haven't been uh, doing Geekscapes in a little bit. Uh, we went to South by Southwest and premiered Dock of the Dead. I really hope you guys in the U.S. have seen the movie. There's a 14-day trial on Epics that I don't know how long it lasts, but the 14-day trial starts whenever you activate it. If you go to epicshd.com, 
uh, and search for their 14-day trial, you can actually see the movie basically on demand. Whenever you want to uh, see the movie, you can basically start playing it uh, on demand. So uh, go to epicshd.com and look for Doc of the Dead. Sign up for that 14-day free trial if you're in the U.S. If you're in Canada or elsewhere, we're getting theatrical. So in Canada, the movie will be out in theaters. So uh, that'll be really cool to have a limited run in, in Canada for some of you Canadians to go out and see. Um, but South by Southwest was great. It did claim our two lavalier mics. So Tom and I, if we sound different than past episodes, it's because we're, we're using our handheld mics on this one. And uh, it, the, the audio may not be as consistent as past episodes. That being said... I hope it picks up the, uh, the growling in the background here. Uh, no, no, no. The dogs are good. The, the, there's no uh, dogs in the background. We're sitting here among three of our dogs here at my house. But um, let's get to uh, the, the, the quick... Um, Appreciate all the, the love on Doc of the Dead and the new Geekscape YouTube channel. Oh, and Miami Vice, but that's enough of that. Um, Tom's got a new book called Max Steel. It's based on the cartoon, right? It's a cartoon. Yes. It's, a, it's an action figure, too, right? It's like a toy? It's all wrapped up together, yeah. It's a uh, transmedia experience. Yeah, it's so. it's the Mattel's. Uh, they've, they had the, the toy around for a long time. Uh, it kind of went quiet in America for a while, but then it was very popular in South America. Mm-hmm. And this past uh, couple years, they've been revamping the whole property making more of a superhero alien battle uh more, the younger lead it's it's been a, it's been an exciting revamp to be involved with and of course when you're going to make your big return it's it's covering all the bases so there's toys there's a, a, a animated series on disney xd there's video games and hmm. of course there's comics yeah and so so you're writing one of the the comics it's like a what is this like a one shot with more to come and it's a, uh, it's like a, what is this? Well, what would you call this? Because I'm, I'm trying to think of it myself because when people ask about Miami Vice, I say, well, it's digital and then it'll be collected into a trade. But is it a trade paperback if it never came out like digitally? But this this is the only way that this comic's been released. Yeah, it's it's a digest size book. It's a digest size book. What yeah. What is a digest size book? Well, well, that's, I think that comes. Like Reader's if, Digest. I, I, I guess it, it's, right? say, it's similar dimensions to that. Um, when they have manga is usually at that at that size too, mm-hmm. and also uh, I mean, Archie. I guess if people need a you know reminder, it's just, it's yeah, not you're a, right. Yeah. It's not as big as 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 your usual comic is, and it's usually thicker. But so. it probably has a better chance of being on like spinner racks. No, that's you know yeah, I mean? that's like, the whole plan. Yeah, that's they're they're gonna be putting this in in all the toy stores and uh, department stores and so on. So, like, do you think comic books like like our floppy twenty two page comic books like stopped? really being proliferated through supermarkets etc because uh they're just flimsy does that make sense like they're flimsy yeah. after like a month of sitting there well they, they, they just fall i apart. mean there's two ways about that i think like if you look at the success of manga where they're having millions of copies sold of those uh, mm-hmm. of those things it, it's more to do with the fact that they're printed on material that that can it's all right if it gets a little torn up mm-hmm. because like that's the i think that's always i mean that's a whole other can of worms but i mean they you know, One Piece, which is the highest-selling comic in the world by millions of units, right. like the, it gets printed on newspaper, basically. Yeah, no, you no, and no U.S. comic from DC or Marvel sells in the millions. Yeah, but, but so One Piece sells in the millions by a lot. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, and that's because it gets printed on these one-week installments, and that's part of like a big anthology that comes mm-hmm. out every week. And the idea is that when people are done with it, they throw it out. And mm-hmm. and if you really like it, unless then, you have a canary. Then it goes in the canary cage. Yeah, and it goes in right. the canary cage. Yeah, right. and it lines it lines Polly's <laughs> home. Right, right, right. So, but then if they, um, you know, but then if they really like it, they get the Tonkoban, which is the collection. It's basically the trade paperback. Okay, like that, and that, that has the, like a cardstock cover. Yeah, like yeah, like that's what you see at comic stores, and that's like a collection, maybe like four or five installments. Of I know it. so little about manga, and like, like, but you do. You know what I mean? Like, I that's know why too I like much. Talking to you because you're you're into like manga, and, and you do stuff for like. Anime, anime vice, vice yeah. all that stuff, and 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 we have our writer Carrie Lane who writes for us, and, and she's great with yeah, no Carrie, yeah. She's great with like like reviewing the manga and the 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 stuff for for Geekscape, but um, but I know so little about it, you know what I mean? And uh, and it's fascinating because you're right. They, as far as glo- like sales go, manga really is this uh, world that is that a lot of traditional U.S. comic book readers don't explore. Yeah, you know what I mean? And uh, for whatever reasons. I, I do enjoy it, like when I read, uh, you know, Death, Pro- Death, what, Note. Death Note and all that. Like I've read five of the Death Notes, you know, I read all that stuff. But um, 
you know, short of Scott Pilgrim, I don't think that we've ever started to really explore that kind of, uh, you know, digest size format. Well, there actually has been a, a pretty big explosion in the past couple of years mm-hmm. of, um, uh, like, Scholastic and a lot of traditional lit companies have started their own graphic novel divisions. And those, like, those, I think those are a lot of, the, are, are like, digest size. Like, I actually did a panel at Kamikaze last year with mm-hmm. um, uh, Kazo Ki- Kibushi. I always mispronounce his name, but he did a, a book called Amulet for Scholastic. Okay. And that's a big, I mean, that's a big seller. But, you know, it's always kind of amusing to me. Like, we go to, you know, we go to all these different conventions, and you think that there's, like, an overlap of of fan bases and so on. And a lot of times it's always amusing to me that, like, people just aren't as aware of it, – it's more or less just kind of in the same space. Right. But there just isn't as much of a discussion of it. Well, there's um, Anime Expo, and then there's Comic-Con. And, yes, people who enjoy Anime Expo do go to Comic-Con. But do people who enjoy Comic-Con necessarily go to Anime Expo? Well, it seems like a more acute fan It's base. a weird... Well, I mean, when you go to Anime Expo, maybe before we get on too long of a tangent here, yeah. but I mean, like... Well, anim- it's fascinating. Anime huh? Expo is interesting because I go to about nine conventions a year, and it's always kind of... In, it's always interesting to compare the feel of each one, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I think if you had a kind of a sliding scale of pro versus fan event... Right. Um, Comic-Con's kind of in the middle. Okay. E3 is maybe 90% pro. Like, that's really yes. everybody walking around. It's is closed in, to fans. Yeah, everyone yeah. who walks around is in business casual and or, or a suit. Anime Expo is basically like a 90% fan event. Like, it's it's your college anime club blown up by a factor <laughs> of 10. It's probably psychotic is what it is. It's just, like, insane. It's like costumes and fans. Well, there's around. a lot more. I mean, it's a lot more girls. It's a lot more... Um, Cosplay. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I think what I and I think what I would put the point on is that the, yes, there is an official presence of different companies there, like Viz and Funimation mm-hmm. or at Anime Expo. But the real kind of meat of that show is the ice cream socials and the trivia contests and the the, the karaoke uh, sing offs and the talent shows oh, and insane. the masquerades. Yeah. And it's like it's it's really kind of more focused on the stuff you do when you're in an anime club, but suddenly they have a much bigger platform for people to engage with it. So right. it's it's interesting to just compare about that stuff too because like you you talk to fans at at that show and you're like you know are you familiar with with this these superhero stuff and they just don't know. Okay. Well, interestingly enough, it's the flip side then. Yeah, and it, it, it just it's hilarious because it's really not that much the, that fundamental difference between the two. Mm-hmm. But what's what's kind of hilarious about this is that Anime Expo is a pretty big. Um, uh, artist alley and the one thing i noticed last year was there was a lot of of girls dressing up as as avengers and a lot of vendors selling kind of pretty boy avengers fan art like, so like an anime style avengers yeah but like focusing on how cute loki is oh right 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 i've seen some of that stuff no yeah. but it's really it was just very surreal for me to, to see that because you know when i was like 13 14 and i was getting into avengers and that was like during the music uh, perez run and Oh, the recent the, the Avengers Return. Oh wow! I mean, that was like '97. Now, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're old. But like they were, <laughs> but they were like talking about. I mean, it was almost kind of assumed that that was like a that was a fan base that you would never get these characters to, and Marvel right. found right. a way to get them to. You know, people like they're kind of discovering it on their own terms. It's a very mm-hmm. bizarre thing. Like you go on Tumblr and there's all these tributes to Loki of all characters, and like you told me that like. 14 years ago, there would have been that kind of following for Loki. Yeah, it would have been insane. They would be like, wait, where's my Onslaught following? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. I mean, what was big when you think like 14 years ago in in, uh, in comics? Like, what was big? I guess, you know, the uh, I, I guess the Ultimate Spider-Man had just come out in 99. That was 99, yeah. So, like, you know, what, what was made big by that? I guess, the, you know, that was the X-Men. You know, yeah, and they, they've all stuff. they've all kind of crossed over. So I mean, to bring this back to uh, where we started, yeah, yeah. I mean, Max Steel, um, mm-hmm. the the previous iteration of the show was more of a spy based. And one. When was that? When when did that? That was come? like around two thousand two thousand one. So it's a it's a it's a recently created in the last fifteen years created property, but it had an iteration in two thousand two thousand one, and it was a uh, it was like a spy kid type of thing, and it was like a, a cartoon. Or yeah, was it was it? a cartoon. It was a CG cartoon, and they had the toy line that was mm-hmm. that was a bigger toy line. Uh, it was um, and then I guess from what I understand, because of the war on terror, um, Mattel didn't really want to have a property out there in America that was focusing on battling like international terrorists and, as a spy and, this and a that. spy and so on. So they, but so they downplayed that, but they kept it going in South America and it just, it really took off and right. they were, they were doing these, um, 
you know these specials every year that the people the kids down there were really digging hmm. and and in and fact CGI like reboot Remember yeah reboot? yeah it was just yeah, yeah exactly like that so um in fact like when I when I was promoting this book and I got to break the cover uh on Twitter I it got retweeted by Max Steel Fanaticos Oh, like all, so you all of a sudden all these Brazilian fans and all yeah. these like Argentinian fans started like getting into it. Yeah, it was it was pretty surreal, and even I, I did like a signing at uh, at Comic Con this year where we were you know we were signing promotional material for it, and we had like a, a hundred kids lining wow. up. Wow! No, it was awesome. Like they Viz did a really great job. Like they treat you, they treat me very well, and when I do conventions, like they really, you know, they have a guy on the mic and he's like I, you know getting kids over, and it was just it was really awesome. Um, but it was just pretty crazy because, like, I, I'd say maybe like every third uh, kid in line was uh, a teenager who was, uh, you know, from South American yeah, descent. Yeah, yeah, Latino, and they were just talking about how like they loved Max Steel as a kid, and they were curious about what this new iteration was going to be. Now, now, how how did those fans stick with it when it went from like the iteration of like a spy genre kind of thing into what it is now, which is like a superhero? And what can he do? Can like the superhero like turn into like what does he do? Turn into a robot? Well, like, what does he do? Want to know? Yeah, uh, I do. Right. So, I, I don't so know Max anything. is a Max McGrath is a is a teenager who is just a normal kid. He uh-huh. loves video games. He's he's got his crush. He he. That, that could be us at 35. Yeah, like, exactly. keep in mind. Like, yeah. <laughs> what you just described is me. Uh, but he discovers that he's actually a living battery for turbo energy. Like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, turbo energy is like a speed force type thing. Like, a turbo energy is like, like one of those kind yeah. of like, uh, you know. It's turbo. Vague, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like it's a turbo. vague power source yeah. that scientists have just discovered. Yeah, and he yeah. Uh, he crosses paths with a, a, a kind of robo symbiote called a Steel, who's okay. right there on the cover. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, when they combine together, and only when they combine together, um, Steel can uh, turns Max into Max Steel. And he, he grants him all these different powers, so he's got different modes. And if you can see yeah, there, there's so like there's speed, speed mode, yeah, yeah. Speed mode. and there's strength mode, and there's flight mode, and they add more modes as he goes along and goes along and discovers more about his abilities. So the relationship strengthens. So there are fights like 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 it's like you know they're symbiotic. Like like if I had like this robot force mm-hmm. grafted to me, I, it's symbiotic. But do they have arguments and stuff? Oh, like all that? the time, yeah, yeah, constantly, yeah, constantly. There's there's banner. All the time. Okay, so um, it must have been fun to write because you're basically writing to like a buddy cop thing. You're oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought what was what was fun about working on this is that I, I've gotten to work on some, and I, I don't know if I do a sidebar. Like, you know, part of the reason I guess I haven't been on Geekscape for the past year or so is because I've been working in animation mm-hmm. uh, for Man of Action Studios, uh, the the guys they created uh, Ben Ten. It's like Joe Casey's company. Yeah, he's one of the partners. Yeah, it's it's partner. Joe Casey, Joe Kelly, Duncan Rulo, and Steve Siegel. I like Steve Siegel. We did a panel together, Steve and I. Yeah, Steve's great. I see yeah. him all the time. Steve's um, cool. And um, they, uh, so they they produced that series. But but like yeah. a lot of the time, um, you know, when you work in animation as opposed to comics, it's just like a lot of it is just really long in development. And I haven't really been able to talk about that stuff as immediately as the comics I've been working right. on. But. Um, you know what's what, what's what's neat about it is you know I mean sometimes when you work I've, I've worked with someone not stuff with with them but you know stuff that led to uh, that that working with them led to and you know it's you know sometimes you have to kind of play devil's advocate about well I don't know if I would have necessarily enjoyed this when I was a kid but I can you know I can play along and kind of imagine you know I'm, a, I'm a, as an adult and it was nice right. it was nice about like when I got the first like promotional packet for this and I was seeing all the you know the Bible for Max Steel. I was like, I would have been all over this as a, you know when I was really? ten. You know, I was really it was the the designs looked very fresh. It looked almost kind of like the Warren Ellis like really know, redesign. Yeah, at least by the designs, they were very sleek and futuristic. Um, and it's really been fun. And I, you know, it, you know when you're working on a licensed book, it's different than when you're working on your own thing. And I kind of liken it to it's almost essentially like it's really not that different from from being in my you know my playroom as a kid and you get the toys it's more like mattel sort of lends me these toys and i get to play with them and, and have they ever been like whoa you can't do that you can't do this yeah blah, there's blah. i mean they're very they're they're passionate about the project mm-hmm. i mean they have very clear ideas about what what steel does and how and and how you know where what are the parameters of max's powers and what we can get away with i mean that's you know, I, that's that's the name of the game, and it's right. nice. You know, I mean, I've worked on previous. You know, there were a lot of discussions as we were putting this book together. You know, back and forth with the licensors about, you know, we had to re- reassert ideas. I mean, this went probably through like about four total revamps mm-hmm. um, as we went through it. But I mean, I think I've worked on other series in, in comics before where you can tell the people you're you're dealing with don't care. Yes, and it's not. I honestly would rather have a discussion and maybe have you know some arguments sometimes about. 
what we do with the story rather than it being something, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, that, that just sort of leaves you on your end and it doesn't really do, I, I don't, I think it's, it, you know, the best products are always about like having discussions behind the scenes and having like, you know, having someone have a really strong opinion about why it is, you know, what can Max do and why. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was really cool. I mean, it's weird because like the, I, I, I kind of liken working on like a licensed book almost a lot of times to being like in a role playing game and you're you're working with a, with a like DM. A PM, or, yeah. yeah, like a, well, because you know we we had a situation one time where you know like okay Max falls down an elevator shaft right. Okay, it happens. Yeah, and it's like you know and it, originally I'm like well he 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 flies back out because he he can turn into tur- into flight mode and they're like right. well then the afterburners would would you know burn him because he'd be in too confined to space. Right. Okay, well, uh, all right, well, instead he goes into speed mode and he runs up the wall. Right. Well, he can't do that because the wall is too slick. You know, and are, it's are like... Are just acting like... Uh, but are they just trying to make it like... What's the point of dropping down an elevator shaft if you can do all these things? You know, are they just are they playing devil's advocate just to kind of create more drama? I just I think it's any of those situations seem plausible for as solutions. Well, I, I just think that they get particular about the rules of the universe, okay. and it's like you know we talk all the time about like you know brand consistency, and that's something that they were very keen on. And I think it's again like I I, I looked at it almost kind of like as, as a nice challenge because I never really got that big into role playing games, mm-hmm. but on the few times I've had, what I observed is. It, it's sort of like you're gaming creativity, essentially. Right. You know, it's right. like I say, okay, I'm, I, you know, your character's in a box. How does he get out of the box? It's okay, right. well, he just throws the box off. No, he can't do that. Okay, well, you know, he melts the box down. No, he can't do that. Okay, well, maybe he rips the <laughs> hole in the box and slides. You know, and it's like that's that's. Hopefully, it's more fun than that. But, no, but that's, but yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, yeah. but like that's, you know, in, in, without getting into too many specifics, but like yeah. that's, I think that's part of the fun, and that, you know, and essentially that was what this sort of felt like a lot of times is, is you know, we get to record. You're recording what happens when you when you're playing with these toys. Did you have to go and make a panel where somebody was greasing up the walls of the elevator shaft earlier though, and be like, oh, <laughs> be like, I can't do speed. You know, you have a janitor just greasing the walls of the elevator. Yeah, we shaft. did. We did add. I mean, I, I, you do have to add sometimes <laughs> to like kind of make it. Uh, you know, when you have to. Ha- but his internal plausible. dialogue can be like, oh, I can't do this because I'll burn up. You know what I mean? Like his internal dialogue had to kind of set those rules for the reader because you don't want the reader thinking, well, why doesn't he just go into flight mode and fly out of the elevator shaft? Or why doesn't he just run up the walls? He's super fast. Yeah, I mean, I did. I, I put an extra effort into this. Like I, I tried to do, you know, set up the context and any time we did have a situation, at least like, you know, try to have some, at least maybe not being, it's on, you know, right. hopefully not as on the nose, like having like a, a thought balloon or a caption. But Well, you know, like Peter Parker used to do it all the time or Spider-Man used to do it all the time time be like oh but i can't do this because then this is this is this so the reader yeah. wasn't left with that ele- you know what, what hitchcock used to call uh refrigerator logic where later when they're sitting at the refrigerator getting a glass of milk they're like wait a minute why didn't the character just blank 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 you know uh i remember stan lee would just write that stuff out yeah by, by having peter or spider-man rationalize that for the reader in the situation well, be like i can't do this or else it'll crush you know the, blah, the, blah, the, blah. the funny part about that is is it like one of the series i was, I was watching for anime advice is called hunter x hunter and that's mm-hmm. another hugely successful uh you know superhero show it's called you know shonen series and the one thing you get kind of aware of is like i think is really the if you're what I what I like about shonen series, which is what they call like the boys' adventure, like the thing that it, about like anime and manga is like they very explicitly label it as this is for young boys, this is for young women, right. this is for old, older women. This because you for don't older. want them to start like crossing over, then buying panties out of yeah machines. And but, you, don't, you don't. The worst thing you want is like some pervos. Yeah, but they. But the thing is, it's like <laughs> why do they, they do that? With you what's think? that? Why do they do that? Why do they like strictly go, hey, this is for boys, this is for girls. Um, not that you can't buy it. Not, I mean, not the, like you're, tra- they don't, you're yeah, checking I mean, it out. The weird thing about it is, is actually like it seems more like it, I was told that actually girls buy the boys series more often. Yeah, than, totally. You know, um, I don't really. That's weird. I, it, it's just, it's just, you know, for whatever reason, somebody started doing that, and then it just kind of it became a tradition. People just kept going along with it. But in PC America, you see how that would be like an uproar. Oh no, if, absolutely. If people started being like, "Oh wait, you can't buy a Spider-Man. It's for boys. You can't buy yeah. My Little Pony. It's for gr- it's no, for, ab- for girls. Absolutely. We would, have, we would have trouble just in our own brony ranks on Geekscape if people started being like, "No, nope, My Little Pony is for girls." Well, sorry. Yeah, but a- absolutely. But but the interesting other side of that though is that when they do do a boys series, they mm-hmm. really don't make any bones about giving what uh, uh, you know a, a boys would want you right know, it's not like right. you know i think that there's always this discussion in, in america about well, what's appropriate or what is you know do we need to tone this down or and it's like in a series like hunter x hunter 
it focuses on battles and it focuses on stats and they and whenever they like a typical thing is that after they've beaten somebody they'll break down how they did it and what like the blow by blow tactics it's almost like were. a sports thing yeah too. no absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's it's just like they don't really they know that that is what like the target audience wants and like that's you know and, and, and you have this logic in America that like that's the opposite of what kids would want when in fact right. like they really do love those stats and they do love that jargon and well we look at Pokemon I mean look at all like the success of all these like uh, pocket RPG games you know what I mean like or the card battle games like Yu-Gi-Oh like yeah. kids totally want that stuff they want to collect it they want to analyze it they want to break it down yeah, they pl- yeah. so so I mean that's the thing like I mean you know Spider-Man I think maybe Stan Lee might have just kind of you know stumbled into that but I mean you know by the time we get to this it's like yeah if, if there's a case where max maybe has to enumerate why his power didn't work here mm-hmm. that's all the better you know? i know yeah um it, one thing that i like looking at the eight uh eight in an annual issues of vice that i did like um the annual has uh not internal dialogue but the annual that, w- that we did um they're talking to each other and there's flashback uh-huh. so i could use those almost like an in, you know like a little bit of a caption sure like dialogue word balloon internal monologue type thing um, but I I look back at like the, st- the the eight issues that are being released now, and I kind of like miss it. I'm like, wait, why did I, you know? Because a part of me was like, oh, we have to keep this so close to the TV show that it doesn't have an internal monologue because the TV show doesn't have internal monologue. And now yeah. part of me is like feeling like I lost out on a bit of a character tool. Well, I mean, we get around that in a lot of ways. I mean, I I, I actually. Um I, I did like a, a, a lecture on making comics actually mm-hmm. at, at CBS Studios uh, last month, and you know the question. I would like to attend one of those because I, I don't think I'm very good at it quite yet. You should have come. <laughs> hey, hey, what is that? Like what a Facebook invite? You know nobody reads those things. Was it a Facebook invite? Be honest with me. It Tom. was. Like, those things. There's so many of those damn things that like. Well, what do you, do you want? Like a raven? Thing? You want me to send I a want, raven over? No, 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 no. You know where I live now. Just bring a note to my door with it with a chocolate. You're not that special, John. <laughs> no, but I need the help. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we we had a, there was a question about about thought balloons, and we basically said that I don't know, like de facto de jure. I mean, it's, in, in most cases, like oh yeah, the, the look of the balloon has gone out of style, but right. the same thing gets accomplished by a caption. The now, caption, right? You know, in most of these books. But but the, I mean, in in screenwriting, uh, I remember Janet Roach, my my first teacher in screenwriting at Columbia, was like, um, voiceover is lazy. Like it's screenwriting, and for the for film, like the, she kept saying, voiceover is lazy, and that's like. That, that was like a stigma that I've had against voiceovers for well over a decade now where I really don't use voiceovers. So when I went to comics where voiceovers were a lot more common and a lot more accepted as a narrative tool for the insight of a character, keep in mind you don't have music. You don't have movement. You don't have the things that film well, has. Well, you don't have like also the, the, the subtle you know twitches on somebody's face right. to suggest certain things. Yeah, you don't uh, have the performance. Like uh, – uh, I felt like I was still listening to my screenwriting rule, and so I didn't write voiceover into caption. I did do it on Super Action Man, but that's basically my voice. Well, you know I, I mean, mean on Super Action Man, it's like me talking. I mean, you're getting into rules too, and that was something we, we kept going on about mm-hmm. the making comics lectures. I, 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 at all points, I tried to stress to people that don't do that. Don't, don't, don't run the microphone against anything, please. Uh, okay, <laughs> it sounds like it. Okay, okay. go for you know, it. Yeah, I, yeah. I just at all points, like I wanted to stress that look, just because I'm telling you this right now, of course, doesn't mean it's a rule. I right. Mean, I was saying, like, I, I I'm a big stickler in comics about I, I I'm a big stickler about all caps lettering and, mm-hmm. and and bolding words because for me, in, in a comic, I don't think it looks it it looks like if it's mixed case lettering without text, it looks like a, just a bunch of word processing on top of my art. So, you know, you, wait, you like the all caps. I like all caps. Yeah, and, and like, that's basically a standard in comics. Well, it is. And then you it, use it bold is, for inflection. Yeah, but the thing is, there's been, there are differences of opinion about that. Some right. people think that's melodramatic or they think it's too much. And I'm like, I think it looks more graphic and it looks like it's a better part of the image. But I made a point to stress when we did the, the lecture that, look, just because I have strong opinions about this, it. Don't you know if if you have a strong opinion sure. the other way and you go ahead and make your comic, then that's I think it's better that when you're if you're going with a certain you know narrative trick or whatever, at least having a strong opinion about it. You right. know, it, it doesn't necessarily matter what that is. And, and be consistent, right? Yeah, and be like consistent. Owl, like Owly, uh, you know, I always think of like like a book like Owly that uses like like little uh, ampersands and stuff like that. Uh, you know that little yeah. That, Andy, like I did like, signing with Andy once, and, and I love Owly because it's an all ages book, but you can always have like these little characters. Like if Allie wants a worm or an apple, it'll be a word balloon that just has an apple in yeah. it. Or if he's upset, 
there'll be like an ampersand or you know so, or like a you know something. Yeah, um, and, I mean, and I think that's very. I think clarity and consistency. I think really are the rules. Yeah, and it's if just. Like, rules. I mean, the th- I I just always kind of laugh because I remember that you know everybody points to save the cat right as being yes. this this yeah. like that's the latest uh, rule book so to speak. Right. And I remember I read another you know, like okay I think the guy's got a good point about certain things but the one chapter I always took exception to was he talked about two kinds of magic right you remember mm-hmm. that one no. Well, it's Cause a, sometimes when you watch a movie and the and, and you know that the writer and the filmmakers have gone through uh, Save the Cat, yeah, it's almost dry. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, I mean, and look, I think he was valid. I think the point was valid because he was saying that, you know, if you're at least in a feature that the audience is only willing to take maybe one or two leaps of faith. Yes, you know, and I think that does make sense. I think Marvel kind of proves it wrong though. One of the time you get to Avengers and you have all these different sort of powers, but that's but that's like, yes. but that's already based on like familiarity. But you know his his exception was, you know, in Spider Man. Okay, Spider in the first Spider Man movie, you know, Spider, mm-hmm. you know, Spidey gets his powers from a bug bite, and then across the city, the Green Goblin gets his powers in a different way. Right. And I remember like reading that, and I'm like, you had this whole preamble in the beginning about how. If an independent movie does something well, he pointed to Memento as being something that, oh yeah, well, you know, whoop de doo, like you know, some film school students love this movie, but like didn't make a lot of money. And mm-hmm. then the highest grossing movie that year was did, the same filmmaker. Yeah, no, 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 oh. no. It was um, his whole thesis was basically like, if it's if it's in like a cool indie movie that a lot of people didn't see, right. it did something. It doesn't matter if it broke one of these rules; it did something wrong. Right, and, and it's like. If it did, if it was successful, it was successful because it followed these rules, and it's like you know I think that's that that's fair to a point. But then you have a chapter like that. I'm like, so your major objection to Spider-Man was that it had a super villain? <laughs> Could you imagine Spider-Man if it wasn't? It didn't yeah, have a super villain. He's like chasing robbers the whole time. No, did you ever watch like the '70s TV show? Yes. Yeah, I remember like the, I remember like the one episode I watched. Like, he fought like this guy who was like in his '70s and he was like a jewel thief. Yeah, like Spider-Man yeah. versus that sucks. Yeah, I don't. It totally like, sucks. Um, the, the, the not too many pieces of magic rule that like I remember, and I think I've quoted on the show before was, um, uh, this guy, Kenny Johnson, who was the showrunner on the Incredible Hulk back in the seventies, eighties. Um, he created V and alienation, Mm -hmm. really cool guy. Um, he was helping me with a film lecture and he told me about a, a relation, like a conversation he had with Stan Lee where, the Hulk had to battle a bear, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or Bruce Banner's in the woods and a bear attacks him and he turns into the Hulk. And Stan was like, turn it into a robotic bear. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Kenny goes, listen, we've already convinced the audience that this guy can turn into a green monster. Let's not push it because this is network television and, and that'll break it. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you got to think about the audience too. So with network television, that would have broken it. But in something like the Avengers, Hell, you can have you know the Shatari and all this and that running around and uh, and it works. Uh, you can have the Green Goblin and Spider Man in the same movie and it works. Yeah. Uh, maybe not. You know, maybe the Jewel Thief thing worked for the seventies. I mean, maybe it doesn't work at all. We don't really hear a lot of praise for the seventies Spider Man yeah. serials. Um, well, I mean, I, I also think about it too. Like, I, I watched like the first ep- You know, the first episodes of the of the top. Uh, anime manga series, you know, mm. bring that up again, like you know, One Piece and uh, and Naruto and Bleach, and like they break rules, like they don't really do that whole bit of having a normal kid who just gets his powers gradually. Like they start in, and Naruto already has his 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 super abilities, mm-hmm. and he's already causing problems, and they're already like thrusting him into like the like the worst day of his Everything's life. Everything's like super hyper already off the bat. Yeah, like they don't really or like One Piece, like the main character already like it happened in his backstory that he got his powers, and mm. now he's doing all these like really cool things because they don't really waste any time getting to the cool stuff. Right. You know, and it's like I can kind of see po- both sides of the argument where, like, if your audience wants to be gradually introduced to an idea and you, you, you're patient about building to something like, say, like Plan, you know, the Planet of the Apes reboot, right. I think they did that fairly uh, uh, effectively. Or I think Robocop also did that fairly yeah. well. The, the new, new Robocop? Yeah. yeah. But, like, you know, there is that kind of impatient, you know, I remember, like, when I was. You know, when I was a kid, I was like, I, I didn't really ever want to deal with normal kids on TV. Like, I didn't watch mm-hmm. like Saved by the Bell. Like, I wanted to get straight to yeah, we wanted to see the cool stuff. You know, stuff, yeah. and I was impatient about it. So it's like I don't know if you know. I think we we have a lot of these discussions about rules, and it's like I don't know if it's just it's dependent on your audience or if it's just like you know if you have the if you're consistent about what you're doing, maybe that's the the recipe of it. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, we because that was also the part too with this is I really was with 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 this 
version of Max Steel, like I was very keen on, I wanted to get straight into the action and I really wanted to keep like the, the stuff of like Max outside of his identity at a minimum, you know, right. like just really, whenever he does, it's just, it's, it's very brief scenes and they're usually pretty funny just so we can get straight back to the action. With what, like his family, his school friends, that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, because it's just like you really want to get, like they'll, they're still in the picture, but like, again, if we only have a certain amount of time with this, with, or space with this book, like I want to make sure that we're getting to the stuff that I would have found exciting or I still right. do, you know, like right. you know, Max Steel fighting the Elementors. So. Yeah. Yeah, you don't buy it to be like, I hope he gets the girl. Yeah. And there are a lot of hope he gets the girl books out there. I mean, I think the, I think it's good to have a mix of that because sure. otherwise, like, you're just having, like, a, 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 a There's a no toy. character Yeah, there's a yeah. toy. Like, you really have to strike the right balance with that stuff. But it's it's just, it's, it's I you know, I, I kind of have the, I keep having this, like, little theory that I think we, we, we judge all these movies and these TV shows based on, like, certain criterion of, like, you know, you can say, oh, it was paced a certain way or did the arc wrap up in the way it should. I think like cool stuff, yes. especially in genre, sort of has to be a, a criterion that you you measure. You know. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's true. When you're talking about genre stuff, and you're like, okay, how does it? You know, everything's compared to everything else. Like space movies are compared to Star Wars. Vampire movies are compared to whatever they're compared to now. Yeah. It's like you know what? At the end of the day, did it have cool shit? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, it could. It, it might be in the same genre. Yes, you're going to compare it to the great ones that came before, but. At the end of the day, did it have cool stuff? And like the new RoboCop's not a bad example. I don't think it's a, an amazing film, but I think it's a a, a good film. And uh, and it surprised me uh, because you know you go in and you're like, it's not going to be as good as the original. Well, the original is still sitting on your shelf. Don't bend yourself. Out I of think shape. it was. I mean, and I, I, and I really enjoyed the, yeah. the new RoboCop. No, I, I really dug it too. And I, I don't it think has it's some cool shit in it. Yeah, <laughs> and I, 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 don't, I don't think it's like beneficial to be like really that like precious about any of this stuff no. either. You know, no. it's just like, I mean. Yeah, everybody talks about RoboCop being a classic. It's like, well, if you were someone who read like Judge Dredd or watched like Eight Man, like going or even loved Frankenstein. Yeah, like you'd watch that and you'd just be, you know, that was like RoboCop in the '80s was essentially like they found a way to sort of distill Judge Dredd and make that accessible to a mainstream Mm -hmm. audience. Imagine if you were like a you know a fan of like Judge Dredd in the comics, you're like, oh, this is not like they should be just making a Dread movie, you know? Right. Like that's. I, I, you know, and especially for something that's like, you know, I, I think it's very against the spirit of a property like that, especially where it's very anarchic and it's very satirical and it has a really bad attitude, so to speak, to, um, you know, to suddenly preserve it in amber and put it on like a pedestal, you know. And in fact, like the, the projects, I think that's the one thing I keep noticing with. Again, like I just keep harping on it, but you know the, the manga series that do really well is like there's no sense of like respect or appropriate, you know, or what's appropriate or what's you know, because like One Piece, they go all over the place. Like there's not really a concern about well, what you know, what is okay for kids to watch. Right. Like there are episodes where Luffy, the main character, chases a poodle for for a whole episode, and it feels like an episode of like something you see on Sprout. Right. The next episode, he is kicking ass and taking names, and he's breaking people's noses, and like they're dealing with like you know graphic depictions of drug you know withdrawal. And, wow, like, you know I'd heard of that about One Piece. It almost seems so daunting to get into. You know what I mean? But it's probably worth getting it, into. Like crazy. It, it's just sort of it, it. It it's very just wacky. Like it's almost right. like imagine as schizophrenic. Having, yeah, like I, I I guess the way to put it is it's almost like it's it's kind of having like a superhero universe in one series that it is as complicated and unwieldy right. as that but it, there's something like there's just a, a really non-stop spirit of invention in it that it's hard to argue with now bef- I wanted to bring this up actually though before we run out of time we're yeah. talking about remakes especially yeah. comics based yeah, yeah. remakes why isn't there any shot by shot breakdown of the trailer for what is obviously going to be the number one comics based movie of 2014 Annie Annie. <laughs> yeah. Where's that? Why do people why why is that being Yeah, everybody's forgotten? over I'm like, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure everybody's overanalyzed everything. Spider Man and, and Where X-Men where is and, the shot by shot analysis? Yeah, Annie, that's a good point. Know? I want I want to see um, the comparisons of like That's how, definitely a comic that was labeled for girls. Yeah. You know? Um and, and girls don't got time for that. <laughs> you know, it's us nerds who are like you know, it's us nerds who, are, who we we have to like ingest everything and regurgitate it through our own you know, ridiculous views and perspectives that are like do that kind of crap. I just you're thought, right though. Yeah, but I mean, I just I'm you know I watched that movie as a kid. I think it's gonna be a fun thing to take my nieces to. You know, I don't think again I don't think it's useful to just say Annie is one thing and it was in the '80s and it's right. done with. But no, no, I mean that's very that was a very small part of Annie. Yeah, when you think of the scope of Annie, I think what's also funny about that though too is it's like it it pretty clearly reveals that like Jay Z. 
I don't think his 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 uh, you know when he samples Hard Knock Life for yeah. one of those songs. I don't think that was like an ironic thing anymore. Like I right. think like in the in the broader scope now, I bet he's got like a bunch of show tunes on his iPod. Oh, I mean, if you're a music, guy, you know, if you're an educated like like well versed musician, like he probably is. Yeah. I mean, he can't be that good at what he does and not be a well versed educated yeah. musician. Like he really is. Totally, he's into all that stuff. I know. It's just, he it's probably so... went to Cats five times. Yeah, I know, and it's so funny to like see that now and just be like, "That's that's kind of part of the bigger picture." <laughs> yeah, I mean, why can't they celebrate anything about you know the genre that they work in? Yeah, you know, like, I mean, it's not unlike the conversation with One Piece. Like, why can't these people not celebrate anything but the genre that they're in? Why can't they handle a kind of kids story and then a, a, a hardcore story later on and this and that? You know what I mean? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I go back to that I a mean, lot. You just wrote a kids book. That was, did you find it confining? No. I mean, I think it's just it's it's a different part of my creativity, I guess. Right, you right, know, I right. don't I don't really I you know, I, I think it's fun to sometimes do serious stories and sometimes do stuff that's really intense and sometimes you know, I I mean my my previous comics work was mature audiences mm-hmm. stuff. Um but you know, I don't I don't I, I you know, I, I think it's fun to like I say, like I I compared this experience to basically like getting toys to play with and you know, you do have to yeah. f- sort of follow certain rules, but that's fun. I mean I don't I you know, that's that I I walked away with this with, with something that I was very very proud of and something I had a lot of fun working on. I mean, I don't think that but you know, I I, I think we get a little too particular about these like discussions about labels and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I mean I think like I, I I think plainly what's obvious, like the lesson kind of going forward, is that if you can have a story where like Batman's fighting like you know child killers in one story, and then yes. another one where he's helping someone find their like lost lunch, right? You know, like I don't think that I, there are certain versions of Batman where he's for a certain audience, and there's certain versions that he's for like a younger audience. I think like they're really it doesn't pay to be as like strictly kind of separating those two. You no, know? it actually probably injures everything. Yeah. You know, it probably, it, it, um, it, uh, it just kind of mucks up everything. You well, know people, I mean? yeah, you well, people like have that. like this kind of this skewed idea that like superhero comics started off as being just for kids. And there's this narrative. They're like, Oh, they got progressively darker. And then there's these, these eras, there's these different eras. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of, bologna- light, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of baloney. Cause like, I'll never forget. There was some quote from Stan Lee in the sixties where he said that it was fairly obvious early on that when they were getting fan letters, they were mostly from college students and GIs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Actually. And that was as early as the sixties. And in fact, like even in the forties, I mean, that, that was, you know, Batman and Superman, those were all just extensions of pulps. Like right. they were never, it was never like, Oh, this is just for kids. Kids. Like it yeah. was always for, that kind of kids to teenagers to young adults to probably like you know adults who were maybe slightly embarrassed to be reading it. No, you know? and, and I mean I got into comics in the eighties when you would argue that they were dark stories. There was the Daredevil, you know, Reborn. There was the you know Watchmen. There was the Dark Knight Returns. There was uh, you know the X Men. I remember one of my favorite X Men covers when as a kid was when Sylvester put like. Uh, Wolverine nailed up on a cross, you yeah. know, uh, the X, or yeah. when he had the brood coming out of his face, and you're sitting there going, "Oh, this is hardcore." And you're 10 years old, but you're still reading it. Yeah, you know, obviously, like the, we, we call know. it the Mad Magazine effect, where like a lot yeah. of time, I mean, I mean, you kind of always have to sort of play with this distinction. But like, I remember, like as a kid, you'd see Mad Magazine on the shelf, and you thought it was dangerous. The Frank Frazetta covers, yeah, Frank Frazetta paintings with the nude women. Yeah, yeah. Like you thought you thought like Mad was dangerous, and then like you you, you know, you go back over those issues now, and like they're fairly innocuous. Mm-hmm. But you know, you if you don't have that, uh, you know, that feeling of being something that's maybe a little dangerous, yeah. you're not going to get any audience. Yeah, you, you probably know? won't pick it up. Yeah, so I mean, like we did. I mean, with this, I was careful to. Obviously, we, we, we're writing it for the young audience, mm-hmm. and you know, there's, there's, the, you want to keep and it, older South Americans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to <laughs> keep things, you want to keep things appropriate. Like, you know, it's not necessarily, but at the same time, I did want to kind of preserve that feeling of, well, when I was that age, and I was looking for something like, I, I, what kind of protagonist would I have gravitated to? Right. Not someone who's playing by the rules and is always polite and well behaved. You know, right. So that and that was something that, and if he's going to fight the bad guys, it's going to be over like the fate of the world and they're really going to have stakes involved rather than just being kind of like you stole my lunch money yeah like that kind of right. thing so that was something we were we really wanted to ratchet up that so this story in, in, in this one um, Max uh, he's finding the elementors who are some of his regular villains and then actually we get to introduce a, a villain before he shows up in the actual series uh-huh. um, in, the, in, the, in the animated series who's a mis- mysterious alien threat and he infects 
uh, Copper Canyon, which is Max's hometown, with what's essentially like the Millennium Bug. Okay. So everything is stoplights are all giving wrong uh, yes. wrong lights. Uh, you know, uh, bank ATMs are shooting out money everywhere. Yeah. All like power grids. It's are almost going. like maximum overdrive. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so Max kind of has to deal with that where he, he normally is a very tech-reliant character, and now he suddenly has this whole career that's no longer at his access, mm -hmm. and he's got to get to the bottom of that. But, you know, we tried to play it up as much as we could of, like, this is really, this is like the looming apocalypse for Copper Canyon. Right, You know, like, the, right. this is, it's not just like a little misunderstanding here. You know, whether, you know, that's that's the kind of part of the ride you have to play along with. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, what else are you working on, like moving forward? Oh, talk, Come on, Tommy. What, can, what can I talk about? Yeah, what can you talk about uh, besides our next race? I did a, a short for uh, Dan Fogler's Moon Lake. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. that. Uh, yeah, the 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 Boom Arkea compilation. Yeah, well, Dan, um, Dan, Dan's a crazy man, and mm -hmm. he he plays things fast and loose. And he actually like commissioned. He was planning on doing a, a second volume of that, and he commissioned. More stories than it could ever possibly so fill. Two more volumes. Yeah, so yeah. I, I did a story for that. Um, I guess it, it's they're they're kind of talking about it's it's either maybe going to go into volume three or in some digital iteration of right, it, or maybe right. in the singles. I, I did one about a. Uh, it's basically this this uh, guy running a school athletics program stumbles upon haunted bottled water. Oh, that's bottled from Moon Lake. And when people drink it, they get power like they get they play like demons. Right. So he's about it's sort of like a very demented Hoosier story where he turns the whole school program around by making like goth jocks. Right. But they yeah, but they but it's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> yeah, so they're all troubled. Um I don't I'm not sure when that's gonna be coming out. Right. Um uh Kate Glasheen, the artist of uh Hybrid Bastards, um, mm -hmm. we're doing another story that's uh called Young Vultures. Which is okay. it's it's kind of more like the YA sphere of like kind of actually I guess it's not really that far removed from what we were talking about with with Max Steele here, but right. it's about this. Um, it's basically like if you imagine like if the Boy Scouts actually were a uh, like a kind of youth adventure corps. Okay, like if they actually were doing everything that they yeah. advertised, rescues, and, yeah, and, and all like that stuff, discoveries and cave explorations, yeah, and all lost that treasure. Yeah, and this kid is uh, he he's a he's trying to become the greatest. Scout. Right, the Indiana Jones. Yeah, so that's, that's cool. And it's but it's a little more macabre because they're also sort of tied up with the secret society. Oh, like an Illuminati type. Yeah, thing. that kind of. That's thing. cool. So it's like the junior league of that. So all right, we just we're, we're working on that. We're trying to do more of like a comics prose hybrid, mm -hmm. um, where um, you know we're just trying to get in like the that what we we're talking about before of like the the YA sphere and like trying to reach out to a different audience because Kate's got a very very unique style and it's just it's a very idiosyncratic style and we think we'd probably be better served kind of going in that area right um, well, i mean it worked for like david mack and brian michael bendis when they did some of that daredevil stuff where there was pros in it yeah you know when they were doing like the echo storyline in in daredevil where mm -hmm. some of it was just straight pros with like really nice um you know david mack artwork yeah well we're looking at stuff like you know diary of a wimpy kid of that that uh -huh. was another that's like another technically a comics project that did have a big audience and that doesn't really apply to the discussion we have most of the time here. And we're thinking that kids who you have a whole generation of kids who got used to that kind of story, who maybe wants to be a little more sophisticated, right. You know, as they, as they go along and that's where we're going. It's just doing that stuff takes more time. Mm -hmm. um, just because prose is, you know, as opposed to like writing like a comic script, like it's, it takes a lot more words. Um, and then I've got like animation stuff going. It's just, it's unfortunate. Like I can't talk about that. Like, of course. I mean, I've been doing stuff with man of action studios and they've, like I mentioned, and they've been awesome to work with because I was I was a huge fan of all those guys back when they were, uh, you know, working for Marvel in like the late '90s, like uh, Joe Kelly's Deadpool and uh, you know Steve Stephen Duncan's run on Alpha Flight. You know, uh -huh. this goes on. So um, yeah, I mean that's um, that's all I can really talk about at the moment. Cool. Um, and then we got the Super Spartan in September. We do, uh, yeah, beast, yeah. Well, let's promote that. <laughs> 12, 13 miles. It's fun. That'll yeah, be it's your uh, first beast. The first beast. Yes, it's the same as the Super, except uh, it's just longer. They might change it though. They always, they always make that harder. Well, did, that, well, if it's Temecula again, it's a hard terrain. Oh, it's not Temecula. It's out in San Bernardino. No, or wherever it, it is. No, it's in Temecula. Again. If it's in Temecula, then you know it's going to have a lot of climbing in it. That, so, that, that's always that's funny that. for anybody listening on here. Yeah. Like, there, there's this one resort. Like, is it a resort? Would you call it I, a camping I've never ground? Been there. 
Yeah, yes, I've, you have. I've, I've never there. been there as a resort, is what I meant. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, this is. This is I've a, never it's, resorted it's, there. It's called Vale Lake yeah. Resort, and that's in Temecula. And it essentially is it's it's a big enough open space with all these rolling hills <laughs> yeah. that, that all these adventure races just use that. Spot. Totally. And like we, the, we shot in Dock of the Dead. We shot the Super Action Man sequence out there. Oh, you did? Yeah, we shot guns out there. Yeah, because it was just big, expansive, noble. Well, because no, yeah, because it's nothing. just a big open space. But yeah, tough mutters there. I think like all the thing is also it's funny about this too is like if you talk about like the the mix of like geek culture or like right. jock culture, whatever. You know, I I've been doing like the sparring race maybe like four or five years. I actually got John London here to start on it too. He doesn't when? bring that up. Yeah, I got you on the. No, spot. you didn't. Yeah, we, I did. We coincidentally did the same one at the same time. I, I I got it. That is not true at all. <laughs> that is absolutely not. I got true. you to do one. No, I got you to do the super. You had never done the super before that, and it was like. Oh yeah, yeah. You came back and you were like, "I just did the super." I was like, "Well, if Tom can do it, I can yeah, beat it by yeah, an hour." Course. Yeah, that's what he was like. Then fit. we compared times the next year. If you really want to get into this. Yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> but you know they have but in like this in like the four or five years that this all these adventure races have been going like they've been all these imitators or competitors yes. popping up. And well, I so, did the warrior first, and that one was kind of soft. Yeah, but the Spartan ones are better. But now there's a million. There's the, the the Titan and the this and the Gladiator. I did the uh, I did the um, Rock race in right. San Diego one year. It was kind of lame. It was supposed to be like Double Dare, right? Um, but yeah. I um, the thing that was hilarious. I think the last, like, but when you ever go out, it's like just it's like it's the same thing like being at conventions or or at. Uh, at uh, at concerts now, like right. when you come out, like your car is covered in in flyers, flyers for the every, next one. Yeah, fly, flyers for other ones, and they have a Hunger Games race. I don't know if they. Took I saw off. that. I saw that they have a Hunger Games race. No, it's um. Or it's called something else, right? Like it was. It was something like like barely legal. Uh, yeah. Oh wait. Ooh. No, I'm. Uh, no, I mean, if I mix up those things with the like marathons and half marathon runs then i feel like i I can stay pretty fit we still play basketball thursday nights and um i'm just (laughs) and then my tire workouts like like geeks get in on it i'm like i think i've gotten as like addicted to that stuff as i am to movies well okay well well, you you know know, because you did doc of the dead did you do the uh, walking dead experience no we did we we ran a camera through the walking dead experience but i ran a zombie 5k in a hazmat suit that's in the film yeah. That's gross. Uh, well, I mean, I had to stop every now and then to open the suit up because it was nothing but sweat. And yeah, somebody like, from like, been like you, you would have been like somebody like from like the Blue Cross or Red Cross like came over and was like, "We can't let you do that. Like, you're not going to run that entire course in a five in a in a hazmat suit." And I was like, "Oh God, no!" Because you'll just you'll just die of yeah, heat I could exhaustion. Told you that. I could told just you heat that. exhaustion it was crazy. I ran the whole course in it, but I stopped and opened it up every now and then because it was just. Heat exhaustion. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I had an opportunity. To, like, someone had, like, a ticket that they were going to give me to go to the Walking Dead experience at Comic-Con. Right. But I was like, as much as I'd like to go, when you're at Comic-Con, yes. it's just not the place to do that because if I get sweaty. You'll totally get sweaty. Yeah. But, like, you know, if you, you're kind of at Comic-Con, like, your, your schedule is just, like, you know, hour to hour, basically. Yes. Like, a whole day. And it's like, if, even if I took, like, a you know free hour to go do that, I'm going to have to go back to my hotel Shower. shower. Yes. If I get scuffed up, or like if I twist my ankle, or like you know I, mm-hmm. I get bloody, like that's going to be something that's not really, you know, you're really not going to want to have like that first impression with somebody at like a publishing booth with. I hurt my on that la- on the Super Spartan in uh, January on those balance boards. I uh, twisted my ankle. Turned out I, I I had a little slight fracture on it. I ran a, the next weekend. I ran a fucking marathon on the thing. It felt fine. Five days later, my ankle still kind of giving me problems. Um, I like, I like, I'm I like, healing it up. I wish but, everybody could see John's, face, John, John's puppy dog face when he yeah. says it. Because last night everybody was like, stop walking. And I'm like, how am I going to stop walking? Like, I just started running again two weeks ago. You know, I can't. It's like comics. It's like, it's like, like, it's like comics. It's like, it's like, I'm not going to stop buying comics. I'm not going to stop going to movies. You sound, like this, stop girl just, games. you sound like this girl I just went out with who had like a, she had like a. She knee, sounds fit knee, as hell. Knee injury for like, yeah. She had a knee injury and she kept working through it. Like she'd be hiking every day and be like. Um, I don't know if I'd do that. I mean, having had two knee reconstructions, I don't know if I would do that. Which you're like the bionic man. No, I'm like an old man. <laughs> I'm like an old man in denial who just loves doing this. But you do see like the the, the nerd. There are nerds who are out there. Like you do see people dress as Superman, Batman, and some of these things. Oh, you do all the and time. Like though. It's, it's a lot kind of, of fun. like. But I see people at the gym like they wear like. Oh, you know, you're talking about the, the posers. Yeah, I yeah. Just, I know. I know. That, that's always been like the most amusing development for me about this because I remember like in high school. The reappropriation I, of your culture. 
Sure. Yeah. If you want to call it that. Yeah. But yeah I, I, when I was 14, like, I wore a Green Lantern shirt. I got made fun of wearing a Green Lantern yeah. shirt. Like, at 14, I was considered well, too old. Not a lot of people like the movie. You'd probably still get made fun of. Still. But yeah, yeah. I like the movie, but whatever. Yeah, but, like, it's just, it's, it's, it, I just find that so amusing that that sort of became chic at I some know. point. That, like, people are wearing. You see it at the gym. You're right. You see Superman shirts at the gym. Well, not, but not even like super, like I'm talking like more specific stuff, like some With classic, the flash like classic or, yeah. X-Men covers and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, it's, it's such an amusing, it's just it's an amusing thing to see that that like that became um, what it was. I mean, but I, as creators, if we're building towards anything, that's what we're building towards—a critical mass in the popular culture. Well, yeah. So like, we can't complain about it because as creators, that's what we're building. I mean, towards. yeah. I, I just think at the end of the day, what's amusing about it is like you know it, whether they were invested or not, they still bought that shirt. Yes. You know, like it's 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 something that you know because we, we we had a conversation one time. I remember like someone was complaining about like oh in comics you know you don't have any fans, you just have like people who want your job or something like that. I'm just mm. like. Yes, you know, you know what that what that means is like when you go to a panel, the people who are engaged enough with your work that they will go to a panel, probably do have aspirations of wanting to do what you do. Oh yeah, I think that's the, the majority of panels. The, yeah, the, the the like the romantic fan who just loves your work just because they love it. You know what they do? They read the book and they're done with it. <laughs> like, or they, they follow go, you on Twitter and that's yeah, that. and that's it. Like yeah. they're not. It's not like they're going to be on message boards. So it's like no, you, you can't like have your cake and eat it too. Right. You right. know, like that's. So it's like you know what that's the way I look at it. It's like if they're if they're whatever the level of engagement is there, I think it's like silly to say to look at that as being any sort of a bad thing. That like, <laughs> it's a good point. You know, it's just like what they wear like an you know they wear like an Echo Iron Man shirt. Great, you know. I mean that's 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 engage that's that's engaging. They like the movie. Congratulations. Uh, well, Tom, it's always good to have you uh, on the show. Max Steel Haywire is that in stores right now? Two weeks it's in two weeks. Out, Max uh, Steel Haywire. First week of April. First um, week of April. It'll be available actually on all digital platforms as well. Cool, cool. So Kindle, all this other stuff. Uh, um, I'm going to be you know check out my Twitter for all, my Twitter and my Tumblr. It's Tom Pinchuk, right? At Tom Pinchuk. So at T O M P I N C H U K, and then I'm also on Tumblr, which is Tom Dash Pinchuk. Oh, can you believe that? I know. And there's also there's TomPinchuk.com, so I have my web presence established. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I keep pretty active on my more more so on my Tumblr than my Twitter, just because it's right. It's harder to edit myself. <laughs> right, you right. Know, than the, 140. You know, so I you know I put the Tumblr. I'm going to be putting up all the information about how to order this and maybe some behind the scenes stuff. Cool. Um, and then we're going to be actually be doing this is a little long ball, but we'll, if you're in LA, uh, I will be doing a signing event. Um, Mm-hmm. At Meltdown Comics for Free Comic Day. Oh, cool! That's where, in May. Yeah. Well, yeah. we figured. I mean, I, 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 you know, I've done signings before. I'm kind of like, if the book's coming out, like, I don't think it really makes as much sense to do it like uh, on a Wednesday night no. at a comic store. That's mostly like halfway. Like, a yeah. Comic do it club. on the d- day that there are going to be people in so the it's shop. Gonna be kids. Yeah, kids specifically. Good point. So we're we're, we're planning some party favors for that. We're going to see what we can get away with. I mean, I want to. You know, I, I think again in the spirit of fun. Like, I don't want it to be just kind of like a drab. Like, oh, right. hey kids, you want you like books? You want? Well, yeah, I'm gonna sign your book. Yeah. No, it's like I, we want to have some little some fun with it. So we might have like some kind of game element or something a little little dressy to make it more fun. That's nice. That's um, about fun because that's what I'm all about. You know? <laughs> I'm and fun. Of, and of course, you can see Tom at WonderCon in uh, uh, Easter weekend here. And uh, is yeah, it, it's Easter Diane. weekend. It is Easter weekend. They really do that yeah, a lot. Yeah, like I know. I know. It's been Easter weekend before too. But yeah, um, they did that yeah. one. That was the only time I've ever used a five-hour energy drink. Actually, was because yeah. I had to. When they had it in San Francisco, I had to get back for a family thing for Easter, and I, so I had to leave at nine o'clock on a Saturday night, driving from San Francisco to L.A. And it's a six-hour drive. Yeah, so it I had is. To fight. It was basically like in a in a like breaking case oh, or emergency man. case because I was like, I've had that drive after a music video shoot in San Francisco. We drove all night to do another music video the following day. Yeah, and I was like seeing my ancient like ancestors out in the desert after a while. Like I was hallucinating. I like, called. I called everybody drive. on my contacts list. Yeah, say, but I had the five-hour energy there, and I was I was waiting to drink it because I felt that if it's a six-hour drive and if I take the five-hour energy now. I'll run out of power no. before before I get to, that was my own turbo energy. I right don't see there. those things. Those things don't really work that well. They like I spike really, you and then you fall. Asleep. All I really noticed was I stopped yawning. I thought my yeah. hair was going to go on in and I was going to like stomp on gummy. the yeah. I, I was going like, to stomp on the accelerator, but it just tasted like it tastes like carbonated uh, uh, Pepto Bismol, right? Basically, right. 
Um, so you can see Tom at WonderCon unless he has Easter plans with the family. Oh, um, so, yeah, but I will, I'm, I'm I'm available online, you know, all that stuff. So hit me hit me up and I will respond. Uh, Geekscapist, we, we'll uh, have another episode for you guys soon. Uh, a again, better, a better one than this one. No, no, this <laughs> is, I love talking to you. I think it was great. Yeah. It's really insightful for not just the audience, but for myself. Yeah, I think it's really neat stuff. Um, but Geekscapist, go to uh, Apex. Oh, so I'm sorry, I, I flubbed that one. Go to apexhd.com and look for Doc of the Dead. You, again, there's that 14 free that free 14 day trial if you're in the U.S. And uh, if you're in Canada, the movie's coming to theaters. It's also playing at the Hot Docs Festival in late April, early May. Uh, in Toronto, I will not be making it. I um I got to stay here and keep working. But uh, God, I wanted to come to Toronto and see Satori and, and Martin Scherer and Tyson Brewer and all the Geekscapists up there. And I'm really sorry I'm not gonna be able to make it. I could have I could have met uh, Matt finally. Um, that sounded like the so Hot Dogs Festival. I know. There for a second. No, I Hot like Dogs is great. It's a great documentary festival. I hope you guys enjoyed Doc of the Dead there. Um, and uh, there's gonna be a lot more. Thanks for continuing to buy Miami Vice and all that, and geek checking out Geekscape and our YouTube ca- channel, YouTube.com/slash/GeekscapeTV. Um, find us on Facebook, all that. For all Geekscape, just look for Geekscape. You'll find us. I love you guys, and we'll see you guys next time. Stay out of trouble. Stay out of trouble, or there will be trouble. Classic Robocop. Oh, yeah. There will be trouble. Thank you for not smoking. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>